0: Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with editor in chief Amy Newmark.
1: Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. It's Friend Friday, and I'm pleased to introduce you to Dr. Quan Stewart, who works with American Humane. He is a veterinarian who has stepped out from the hospital and onto the streets to help pets everywhere he finds them, living with homeless people recovering after natural disasters. He's everywhere, helping those dogs and cats that we love. He started out getting his degree at Colorado State University, and he started out as a, as a traditional veterinarian in a, in a hospital, working on small animals. And over the years, his career has taken him in a lot of different directions, which we're going to hear about today. So, Kwan, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Yes, happy to be here.
1: So you started out as a vet, and then what happened after that?
0: Uh, well, you know, as it usually goes, when you're first getting your feet wet out of school, you want to try and jump in and experience uh, various areas of the industry or profession. So I got my start doing traditional practice, companion animal, veterinary work, and then did emergency work at night. So I, when I moved to San Diego and took my first job, Uh, It just so happened the owner of the practice had a unit upstairs, so I was doing my 8-10 hours during the day, and then I was doing emergencies at night, and I did that for the first two years. So got a lot of work experience and saw a lot of pets, and and from there moved on to do more emergency work and then began to run, help run a string of practices in Southern California.
1: And then you got into the world of shelters, didn't you, which is... Such a tragic world. I mean, I've seen those shelters, and it's so sad. It's, it's just heartbreaking to see them, especially the ones that do not have a no-kill policy.
0: It, it's it's hard. And to be honest with you, I mean, I really had no idea. Looking back in retrospect, I sort of felt like an entitled veterinarian. I think a lot of us get out of school, and we're starting out. We want to change the world. And when you get into a really uh, sort of affluent or nice practice in a really nice part of town, you don't—you lose— Um, sort of focus or an appreciation for what else is out there. And the shelter world is oftentimes the dirt that gets swept under the rug. So when I decided to go into sheltering, I, one, I didn't really have any experience. And two, I just wasn't emotionally prepared. And uh, those first few months were difficult. In fact, I thought often um, about just moving on or moving back to to my old lifestyle, but uh, I stuck with it. And I was uh, a shelter vet, county veterinarian in Northern California for five years, and it it was life-changing.
1: Yeah, it's so sad in those places, those eyes peering out at you and you feel like you want to adopt every single animal that you see. It, it's just incredibly sad. What's going on in the world of shelters today? Do you think things are getting better?
0: There is. You, you look at the numbers and there's a clear trend towards, improvements. We are euthanizing fewer and fewer every year and more and more people are adopting. And that's in large part to to people just getting the word out from veterinarians to people like yourself to to advocates. But the other part, and I I really, as I honed my message to the public and to friends and family, the other part of it is turning off the sieve. We have to turn off the faucet. And by that, I mean, uh, spay and neuter. And I know it's gotten really cliche, spay and neuter your dog. But the pet overpopulation problem is a direct result of backyard breeding, of people not spaying and neutering their animals. And it's just the explosion or the the continuation of of unwanted pets flooding into our communities happens over and over week after week.
1: Yeah, we try with our books to get inside people's heads and make them aware that (laughs) shelters exist and also make them aware of the necessity of spaying and neutering. And what we do, and I know you haven't read our books yet, um, but they actually support American Humane. We have a new pair of books coming out on August 8th, just a few days from now. And royalties from those books go to American Humane. And in these books, we have you know 101 great stories about dogs, 101 great stories about cats. But within those stories, we're working to educate people. So we do a lot of stories about black dogs and black cats, because we know those are the ones that tend to get left behind in the shelters. We have a lot of stories about senior dogs and senior cats. We have a lot of stories about pit bulls making wonderful pets. Yeah. And we're trying to educate people, go to the shelter and don't overlook that black cat.
0: Yeah, they make wonderful pets. I, I, I pulled a cat out of my shelter. She has been one of the best pets I've ever had. And I adopted a pit bull as well and you'd be surprised and and i know people say it over and over to the point where you you almost become numb but really go to your local shelter just trust me on this go there if you have children take them with you spend 30 minutes 45 minutes walking around interacting with the pets it it's one of those experiences you don't forget and that's why people typically adopt you pull an animal out of there and it's so rewarding i I i as a veterinarian, obviously, I'm, I'm a lover of pets, but anyone, any, anyone who's just human goes in there and spends a little time, you're going to see what I'm talking about.
1: I think the animals know that they've been adopted because I have two grand dogs who came from shelters, and I think they are so grateful and they're so appreciative of their new lives. They just seem to know.
0: Yeah, I do. I think they get a sense of it, too, and it's a great feeling saving lives. You you literally are saving lives.
1: So speaking of saving lives, I wanted to talk about another thing that you do, which is the American Humane Rescue Operations. And I know you're a big part of that. And I don't think that people know what goes into rescuing all of the pets when there's one of these floods or hurricanes or wildfires. So can you take us through one of the recent Natural disasters that we've all heard of, and explain to us how you marshal your forces and get the assets in place and save all of these animals.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and shorten this um, because it, beginning to end, it's a process and it, it can become somewhat convoluted and it, it varies case to case. But I'll give you an example. So we are coming up on the one year anniversary of the Louisiana floods. This was about a year ago, August, and uh, the whole sort of southern region of Louisiana was flooded and it, it wiped out some communities and with it shelters and homes and displaced a lot of pets and people. And so in these moments, it's, it really is like a fire drill and when people aren't prepared or haven't thought it through, it's very easy to um, lose your pet. And so often um, people are gathering their things and their family, but um, you know, pets, they get frantic during, events like this they can sometimes even sense earthquakes before they come or these natural disasters and some of them will flee or get lost or scared and um so that's our job in these moments uh, tornado hurricane wildfire floods our job is to bring in american humane rescue um gather up our assets our forces our people and try and help the community however they need it. And again, it varies. It can vary uh, wildly from from one case to the next, but going back to Louisiana, so the flood hit, um, hundreds of people were displaced from their homes and with that hundreds of pets, but it also hit some of the shelters in the area. So then you multiply that by a factor of, I don't know, five or six when it comes to the pets. And there were just a lot of lost, displaced, missing animals and pets. Uh, So we brought in our team of people. And typically what we'll do is, is in addition to monitoring um, flood warnings or hurricane warnings, we will reach out to the local jurisdiction and ask if they need help. Or sometimes the local jurisdiction, knowing what we do, will reach out directly to us. We typically like to have an MOU in place. So both parties are clear on what they're responsible for and what our duties are. And then once we hit the ground, uh, we form a command center and get to it. And in this case, Louisiana, we, we brought down a team of, Oh, it was, it was close to 18 people. And we worked in lo- local jurisdiction, the shelters to go out and search for pets. And, uh, we set up a temporary housing or shelter units and any lost pet we bring there. And the, the challenge often is trying to, once you identify the pet or locate a pet and they're they're all over, Finding the owner, or having, or making the owner aware that we exist, and they can come find us. So through social media platforms, through advertising, um, working with the, the local government and assets, we get the word out, and usually we're pretty successful. One in identifying most of the lost pets, uh, and two reuniting them with their owner. So uh, it, you know, I can't tell you how rewarding it is. There, there are tears every day. And some very neat stories, especially when people have have really thought they've lost their pet forever and, and under a branch or a tree or mi- sometimes miles away will locate the pet, bring it back to the shelter and then start advertising for the owner.
1: That's amazing. And I know you have volunteers who fly in from all over the country to help when you have one of these events. We have a story actually in the dog book about one of your volunteers who flew down and helped out during that Effort to reunite animals, um, and there was, I think, a dog that was reunited, and the poor dog had been shot, I believe, which was pretty crazy. Yeah,
0: I, it is, and those stories aren't unique. Um, you know, the, the different types of injuries, um, and the the stories of loss and reunification. I <laughs> I'll start getting misty eyed if I start thinking back to you know some of the uh, the events and. I don't know. There's nothing like it in the world as a veterinarian. I'm so proud to be able to step in and do this work. And touching on our volunteers, and thank you for saying that, they're everything to us. Our, Our responders, our volunteer responders, rescue responders, they are the workforce. They come in, they roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty every day. Sometimes they're sleeping outside, they're sleeping in tents, they're sleeping in the trucks maybe getting one meal a day because we're out in search and rescue. It really is a phenomenal effort um, by all, and I'm so proud to be part of it.
1: And now let's move on to one other thing that you do, because I saw this video of you actually going out on the streets and running a one-man clinic, just wandering from one homeless person to the next and helping them care for their dogs and cats. So tell me about that. How does that work out?
0: You know, that that happened through my work with the shelter. And and again, the shelter opened my eyes in a lot of ways, but I realized that as a veterinarian, we, we really do have a responsibility to give back to our community. And I know we hear that coming up, but doing it is, is something sometimes entirely different and making the time to do it. So I've always had a soft spot for the homeless, for homeless people. In addition, obviously to strays and, I figured, I'm I'm just going to get out in the streets. I'm going to pack up a medical bag. I'm going to walk the streets and see who's out there that needs help. It started at first with me setting up um, sort of temporary clinics near homeless shelters, homeless human shelters. And I would just set up a table on a random day and invite anybody over who had a pet and whatever I could do right there. Um, then there I would, I would execute. So it may have been vaccines or microchip or toenail trim, or some of these dogs are suffering from arthritic conditions. So I'll prescribe pain meds, ear infections, fleas are common, whatever I could do in that moment I would do. But then I decided to take it one step further and literally walk the streets. And I know it's not quite as efficient, but a lot of times, you know, these pockets of homeless people that have their tents set up or, or, you know, alleyways or, or different sections of the city, they're, they're just not going to get the help. They they don't have transportation. They don't have a way to, to, to find out about clinics in their area. So you sometimes have to take it to them. And, and that's what I did. And I, I loved it. I, I, I still do it. And it's one of the more joyous parts of my life really to, to give back in that manner.
1: Oh, well, that is terrific. Um, I want to tell everybody that if, um, if our listeners want a chance to win a free copy of one of those new dog or cat books that I've been talking about, just follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Amy Newmark, and then retweet any of my tweets about this podcast by the end of the day on August 6th. Then I'm going to pick five people at random who have retweeted, and I'll let you know if you're one of the five winners, and then We'll get your address over to our webmaster, and we will send you a book anywhere in the United States. And, Quan, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on, and I look forward to hearing more about your work. For everybody who's listening, if you want to learn more about American Humane, visit them at AmericanHumane.org. And I also want to recommend a new podcast that we have called Loving Animals. It's with Robin Gansert, who's the president and CEO of American Humane. So look for that chicken soup for the soul podcast, Loving Animals with Robin Gansert. Kwan, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: It was a pleasure. Thank you. And we are so grateful for the partnership we have with you guys. You do wonderful work. And um, we're just so pleased to be, to be in league with you guys helping animals.
1: Well, thank you. We, we've enjoyed the partnership a lot, too. I thank you for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. I'm Amy Newmark. Come back Monday for some instant inspiration. We'll be talking about busy multitasking moms and how they can get everything under control and put their crazy lives in perspective.